listening to the Couples Guide podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Talia. We're both licensed marriage and family therapists. And today, like every day, (laughs) we're debunking myths and delivering truth about dating, relationships, and everything in between. Trust us. It's awesome. Episode 87. Oh, I'm kind of in a rut. Me too. Yeah. It's not the best. I wonder if we should, I don't know, listen to some other podcasts. Yeah, I think we should stray. We should (laughs) not be here in our primary podcast and we should fall in love with a different podcast. Yeah. Or maybe just record with other people a whole different podcast. But secretly. Secretly. Yeah. I, I think about recording with other people all the time. You I just would. don't tell you. You would do that, wouldn't you? Forget <laughs> about it. Hey, you know me, what? Me That's who natural. has two other podcasts. It's natural. That's natural <laughs> to think about recording podcasts with other people. I get it. Other no people, shame. Other people no are shame. exciting and interesting also. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 87. This came um, from another listener. Or actually, this came from um, a follower of yours, right? right. Um, that I wrote down. And they wrote out like, hey, in a bit of a rut, falling in love with a colleague. And so we took that to mean and understand, you, you confirmed this, that this is about something in a rut in their relationship. Yes. And they're noticing they're falling in love with a colleague and what, yes. and looking for some advice or some insight or some thoughts about that situation. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So where do you take this first, Talia? What's like the first thing that jumps out to you? Uh, what I told them during the Q&A was don't have an affair about it uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> when you are stuck in a rut in your relationship that is not what i would recommend to do <laughs> so i take it more to what when did you notice the rut do you think you're the only person in your relationship noticing it your mm-hmm. partner may be feeling the same way reacting differently they may not know at all they may have no clue mm-hmm. and it's still our job to educate our partner on how we are and ask and be inquisitive about how they are and I also analytically kind of gave the advice. It's not the person at work that you are really wanting. It doesn't mean they're not unique or special or blah, 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 Mm -hmm. but it's this idea and this fantasization that you can do and that you can project onto another person. And you likely felt those same giddy, joyous feelings in the beginning of your relationship. Hence why you chose to be in a relationship with whoever your primary partner is. And that can shift and change over time if we're not uh, watering the garden, so Uh to speak. If we're just like set it and forget it, why don't I feel thrill anymore? You look at a different person that you're in a colleague, collegial relationship or a coworker or what have you, and all these fantasies start to come into place because there's so much room for it. You don't know that person yet. Once you get to know them, you very well could be enthralled or you very well could be appalled Uh depending on how they are when you get to know them and that fantasy goes away. So I gave them kind of like a 90 second summary of don't have an affair about it. Talk to your partner. And here's the reason why you probably have a crush on your colleague. And it might, the same thing might happen over and over again. If you don't get to the bottom of why you're attracted to somebody else and wanting to like take it to a fantasy and almost act on it in the first place. Like we joked about in the beginning, it's totally normal to think other people are attractive. Even when you're dating or married to somebody thoughts are not illegal. You can look, it's not problem. It's what you do with those thoughts. Uh If you do anything with them at all, 
that can kind of be a little dicey in a relationship. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? Well, on that, I think there's when you're starting to fall in love with a colleague or you're looking um, outside of your relationship, I think it's just always about noticing the line of, oh, there's someone I'm attracted to mm-hmm. and just enjoying those thoughts and going, oh, that's attractive. Because I just want to echo the same thing as you did that, yes, you're all, it's okay. It's normal. You're going to be attracted to other humans for the rest of your life. All right. Um, but there's a line with that you that shifts. I don't want to do the line cross. I don't mean like a behavior thing, but there's something different where the thoughts start going into that fantasy realm. And there's yes. a difference also of when you start allowing those fantasies and those interests to grow and you yes. start emotionally investing in them. It's a big difference. Um, so like at the most crass, it's like, um, hey, this really attractive human walks by when I'm at lunch with my partner. And I, you know, under the line, I just notice, go, wow, that person's really hot. And I might have a little lustful thought about it. Mm-hmm. And then above the line is, oh, this person's really hot. Ooh, I wonder if I could talk to them. Or I wonder what mm-hmm. it'd be like if I could, you know, go on a date with them, have sex with them. And I start trying to like, you know, fantasize, fantasize about yeah. it. And then in, emotionally invest in that fantasy. Mm-hmm. That That's a different, different thing. So that's just the where I start with this. Right. is I think it's important for all of us to develop this skill of noticing that line. I personally yes. think that there's a lot of great discussion and relationship to talk about below the line and what can be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that my partner and I, like, <laughs> we're at dinner and we see a very attractive human and we both go, oh my gosh. And Same. we just, like, both go drooling over that person. Yes. Right? Um yeah. <laughs> I'm specifically thinking of this one person that we both saw. We're like, oh my goodness, that is a gorgeous <laughs> human being. They're coming this way. They're coming. It was, I think it was like a buster or something. Yeah, yeah. And, oh yeah, uh, I had that one time too. Yeah. I was out with yeah. both families. Yeah. It was, I think it was just my primary family and him. And I was like, me and my mom were like, oh my God. It was the, he is the hottest person I have ever seen. <laughs> and even my male family members were uh-huh. like, objectively yeah. this dude was totally a model like yeah. you could say a hundred people they'd be like that is the hottest person i've ever seen yeah and he was a server at some uh, restaurant we were at last year and and after a while my partner was like okay that's enough like <laughs> not about jealousy or envy but he's like we get it like yeah. the person is attractive like yes. there's the line it's, there's that line that you're saying it yeah. i would be annoyed if you were repeating anything yeah. <laughs> to that level unless it was about me and how hot i am but <laughs> that's a that's joke that that line though that you're saying i agreed not to make it behavioral rather to make it experiential yeah. and have that conversation with your partner and sometimes and i know this can be taboo to say what is the harm in going to your partner and sharing at the fantasy level i'm having this feeling with somebody at work i have not acted on it i don't want to act on it sometimes i do in my fantasy but i'm not going to act on it something is clearly going on that my brain is focusing so much on that person or fantasizing about that person can we can we talk about it does this ever happen to you like not making it this taboo, shameful, oh my gosh, as if you actually did have an affair. That's usually the emotions that are elicited of like, I can't tell, hey, there's shame. What would be the harm? And this is a genuine question for each individual to ask themselves, what would be the harm or what would be the benefit in bringing that into the room? Look, I had a fantasy about 
someone. You might not even want to say it's a coworker. I had a fantasy about someone and my brain is having a hard time letting go of it. Does that ever happen to you? Kind of check in with your partner and also bring it up to an individual therapist. I would 100% recommend getting your own therapist for this so you can explore and we can normalize what's normal and then task you with, "Mm, you might want to work on this piece. All this is totally normal thinking about other people, but you might want to work on this. Yeah. Well, on the, on the line idea, when I go above the line where I'm yeah. talking about like, hey, it is going to that that yeah. realm. I'm with you about, yeah, let's get curious and see if you can't bring it to to your partner. Because I actually think that is, I just agree with you, that's a really great tool and it's a really great mm-hmm. strategy to address it. I think it's really lovely to be able to take that risk and go, hey, I'm having these, you know, I'm, you know, thoughts and feelings for this other person not going to act on it, you know, reassure your partner, I don't want to do anything. But that tells me that something's going on between us. And I don't want that to be a thing. So can yes. we talk about us? Yes. And what's going on between us that's that my brain is is somehow looking outside the relationship for something. Well, said. Um, and I want to come back to um, what the brain's looking for. But just to be clear, so below the line, I think there's room to communicate, we're interested, it's that and then also collaborate on what's respectful where that line is. It, yes. For some people, it is okay and respectful to talk about the hot man sure. at the restaurant. For other people, that's still not quite their level of respect. Um, or it will and, elicit insecurity. Yeah. Yes. But you can still talk about it and normalize. Sure. We're all going to be attracted to other people. Is yes. it respectful for me to look at that person walking by? Yes, yes. or no? If it's a Are yes, okay I turn out great. If it's no, then okay, you collaborate. So, But that's a good place you can have a discussion there. Yes. Above Absolutely. the line, when it yes. starts being that fantasy realm, it's cross line of just, oh, I'm a, you know, that's an attractive human. Yeah, it's fleeting. Then, like we're saying, um, hey, let's talk about us. Something's going on in my brain that yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking outwards of the relationship for something. Yeah. What is it? I think when it shifts from it being fleeting to more of a fixation, mm-hmm. that is necessary to do some self-inventory and also bring it yeah. to your partner, like you said, in a way that is being relationship focused Uh and I don't want that to happen it's not that I actually do want deep down we know this Mm -hmm. the fight is never about the fight the topic Uh is never truly the topic it's the unmet Uh need or something going on underneath Uh that we really need to explore Uh am I feeling not attended to am I feeling not appreciated for my attractiveness have we not been intimate in a while have we not been close in a while what are some of the other things in a relationship that are or are not happening yeah. that may be leading somebody to be curious and to have fantasies about a coworker, a colleague, or really anybody outside of the romantic relationship on a regular basis? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, taking it even like progressing through this. So um, early on, just having those fantasies and thinking, we're saying talk to your partner now and then mm-hmm. about that before it gets out of hand. Taking to the next level, falling in love with a colleague like this person asking in QA, that means now there are some things that that's, that you're engaging in that's allowing that deeper feeling to arise, that falling in love. Now, yeah. mind you, some people say I'm falling in love, and it's really just like a deeper lust. They've but said hi to the person once yeah. and they're like, mm, okay. Yeah. It's it's the 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 what's the word? The honeymoon phase, that limerence yes. falling in love, yes. and that can be unrequited love. Okay. Yes. I don't think it takes two people for one person to fall in love with the other. <laughs> no. Um, in that space. As it and nonetheless, though, it's also about okay, what what am I getting from this other person, not right. my partner, right. that 
I that I that I've wanted and needed in a relationship. And then that's a great way to just use that experience of attraction, that experience of falling in love to attune to yourself and go, oh, it's that attention. It's that playfulness. It's that fantasy that maybe there could be more um, connection there. Um, and using that and then going back to your partner and saying, cool, these are the things that, that I'm, that, let's talk about that. Maybe mm-hmm. they're missing some of that um, connection as well. And they're also in a place to be able to talk about it. Because I tell you what, like starting that conversation from a stance of, oh, I've noticed this, but I love you so much. I don't want it to become a thing. Let's work on this. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm struggling here. Can you help me in this relationship where I'm struggling because I care about you so much? Framing a conversation that way is way different than either. I mean, worst case scenario. Oh, actually, I did have an affair. <laughs> Or starting with, you know, all these blaming stuff about, well, you don't, you know, take me on dates anymore, or, or you don't, you know, put any effort into our sex life anymore. So, you know, I've, you know, been really enjoying my lunch dates with, with my friend XYZ, who now I want to get all serious with. So. And it's quite fascinating to me when this phenomenon happens, what is the other person doing or not doing mm-hmm. that creates this fantasy, the falling in love feeling, mm-hmm. the obsession that naturally does come with the crushes that are the hormones and neurotransmitters, because oxytocin is the only like hormone slash neurotransmitter in this cycle I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. The rest are only neurotransmitters. These shifts are happening in your body and your brain where it's gearing you towards the fantasy feeling better sometimes than the reality of what you're currently in. And that cycle feels good. You like more of what feels good. Human beings are usually um, pain avoidance and pleasure driven mm-hmm. to some modulated level that when you're having a fantasy about someone and your reality is, and you're painting your reality, it's almost like a fantasy version of your reality and a fantasy version of your future are colliding yeah. at the same time, yeah. creating the space for you to fall in love. And I'm putting that in air quotes, air bunnies creating the space for you to fall in love when it's not truly love. And if we look at Sternberg's triangular theory of love, it's more of that fatuous, passionate, intense, chaotic, like crush love, if you will, that one part of it. It's not the consummate love where you have the passion, intimacy, and commitment. It's not just the committed love. It's not the, it's a delusion, especially if you're not acting on this falling in love, the other person isn't colluding with you you're going to fall much faster because no one's there to catch you. Yeah. You can fall in love with anyone by bait, how you build them up to be in your mind. Oh, I bet when they get home, they do this. You're falling in love with the fantasy and you're not being in your real relationship that you're going home to. And what I, uh, the beginning, what I mentioned, what are the other person doing and not doing? Could your partner start doing the things or even trying on, right? If you like a certain perfume, and I've made this request of previous partners, if they've had a cologne that either has like a trauma response for me, like mm-hmm. somebody who hurt me has worn it, mm-hmm. or I just don't like it, mm-hmm. I can make a request of like, that when I smell this cologne, oh my God, like <laughs> things happen to me. Could yes. you wear it? I don't actually need to say this really hot guy at my work. I work in private. <laughs> 
So obviously that's not what's happening, yeah. but really hot guy at my work wears this cologne. Could you wear it? That's not the lead in. It's no. I smelled this the other day mm. on someone walking by and oh my word, the yeah. things it did to me. Yeah. Could you start wearing it? You're going to incentivize your partner to give you something to fantasize about without them needing to know what the genesis was. And this requires you to be self-aware and really look at, okay, what if it's not falling in love? What are they doing? Mm -hmm. They don't nag me. I don't come home to them and have to build a life with them and raise kids with them, et cetera. No, done. I'm going to fall in love with them. It reminds me of when I first met my partner and we didn't have all these bullshit responsibilities and know each other to that level. That's where I wanted to take this too, because yes. there are some of this of like, yeah, you can make these requests yeah. and you can say, Hey, can these needs be met yes. by doing or not doing something? And to your other point, there's also about like getting real with yourself about reality versus fantasy. So I want to comment on that part, including, yes. like you said, about how, you know, the chemicals in our brains and bodies are going to have us feeling a certain way when we think we're starting to fall for someone else. So it's just pleasure on its own. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Mm -hmm. On top of that, when we're starting, the reason why like newer relationships are just that honeymoon, it's not just chemicals, but it's also there isn't the intimate baggage yet. Right. And I don't mean necessarily bad baggage. I like what you were saying about the yeah. kids, the responsibilities is as you get more intimate and develop your relationship, more you build a life together. Yes. Yeah. It's, yes. there's going to be stressors. Absolutely. And that's what, in a sense, a deep relationship you're signing up for is I want to go through stress with you. <laughs> <laughs> I am with you through thick and thin. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yes, we're there for companionship and connection, sure. but those things are bolstered and strengthened by going through something as yep. a team. So of course, if you're, you know, feeling like you're in a right relationship, that probably means you're just experiencing the stress in a negative way. And, and not, then yeah. you're looking outwards to a relationship like, oh, well, that one has no stress to it. So it Look feels great. I can fantasize. <laughs> it's so easy. It's great. Well, it's like, yeah, it's because you don't know their parents yet. You yeah. don't know their in-laws. You don't know yes. that, you know, your in-laws. You don't know you how don't loudly know they people. chew or snore yeah. or things around the house or yeah. do you don't know them. Yeah. You are falling in love with the fake fantasy version of them you've created in your head. Yeah. That's not true love that and i'm not saying true love like disney princess that's not consummate love that has passion yes. intimacy commitment tolerance acceptance understanding typically multiple years under the belt of what is making me want to step out of this relationship or fantasize yeah. about that and can you honestly bring that in as a kink in the bedroom can i act as somebody else that helps a lot of couples uh -huh. be a massage therapist be a teacher be a crossing guard person, whatever your kink is, do the role play of being with somebody else and really commit to it. I recommend couples start in the morning, be the, like commit, be a method actor and commit to that role all day or all evening or whatever. And it can start to fill that thrill where both of you truly crave to not have all those responsibilities and roles invite your partner in to what could be a very fun, kinky fantasy yeah. that you can use <laughs> to get through those stressful times. Yeah. Hey, can you want to come back? I really miss her. <laughs> if you want a really fun date night, go to an improv class together. Yes. To have that date, which yes. is fun. And then kind of learn some basic improv skills and see where you might add that into your relationship. Elsewhere. Absolutely. Um, I got excited for that one. What was I thinking about before that? Oh, um, but the, on that fantasy versus reality piece too, um, I was going to take it a step further, like even in a context of, let's just say you have started having an affair 
Mm-hmm. And now you have a relationship outside of your primary relationship. And you're still like, oh my gosh, this person matters so much. I mean, I get it gets a little more complicated, but you're starting to see this other person's relationship a, a more intimately. Like um, maybe you do, you can tell yourself, no, I know the in-laws on that side, or I know what that is. I would still point out though, that because this is a scenario where you're drawn into two different relationships and it's and you're still having an affair with not your primary, it's still inherently less stress, less responsibility because you haven't done that shift into now I'm committing forward to you. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even want to put it to that extreme that no matter what, there are going to be unique stressors because of the responsibility when you make a commitment to one person that you'll not experience if you start feeling something or engaging in a relationship with someone else. Mm-hmm. It's the inherent piece. And again, my frame of it, bias because couples therapist, is that those stressors, those responsibilities are actually what make relationships so meaningful and deep because you work through them together. Mm-hmm. If that's not happening though, and you just avoid those stressors and responsibility, you're not really getting anything new or different. I would just say like, if you do go down that falling in love route, and cheat on someone go there and leave them and if you don't work on how to deal with those feelings of being in a rut you're just going to get in a rut with the next person (laughs) you're just going to find the same thing so and i think it's a good transition too to diving more into what it is to be in a rut in relationship versus just the um falling in love with someone because i think falling in love with someone it's about the needs what Mm -hmm. is or is not happening in the relationship and this is like how you can avoid getting there but Mm -hmm. i think there's more than just uh, not just I think this you said this before the episode so I want to be careful there's more than when you're in a rut than just oh no noticing you're into someone else that's a great yeah. indicator that's a great yes. oh huh that happened but Something there's other things happened. going on with the rut yes uh, I the last point I have to add like the bow I would say mm-hmm. on the falling in love piece when it comes to fantasy mm-hmm. it's such a powerful tool that your brain can utilize either as a super villain power or a superhero power Mm -hmm. so if you notice and i'm i'm big on shifting what might be maladaptive into potentially being adaptive Mm -hmm. if you have such a strong fantasy ability Mm -hmm. can you take it then and look at your partner as the best version of themselves the most appreciative of the relationship can you channel what you're using elsewhere onto I'm going to fall in love with you again mm-hmm. and make it a little bit of a challenge, something that you can win at mm-hmm. and fantasize when you're intimate with them or leading up to any sort of intimacy. What was it like when you first met? Can you mm-hmm. set the stage? Can you recall before you had all these roles and responsibilities? What was it like to fall in love with the person that you feel like you're in a rut with? And that can also shift from I'm feeling like I'm in a rut to, oh, a whole perspective shift happened. Now I'm falling in love with them again and I can fantasize about them with them, bring my fantasies into our bedroom together, kind of bringing in again, that skill that your brain's already resourcing, but use it for good, not for destruction. Yeah. And I think there's lots of great examples of how to, or or what you could do um, of channeling all that desire made for someone else that imagination into your actual relationship. Yeah. You know, that made me think of an example of, so if this little crush you have, is really into um 
heavy metal music and because you're crushing you're like and it's not your thing you're just like looking up a bunch of like heavy metal bands yeah okay that's a choice to engage in that crush what if you put that energy into wait my partner loves indoor plants i'm gonna watch some indoor plant videos Mm -hmm. and then talk to them about that like i i get that in the moment it's not the same chemical rush Correct. of looking at say um something new that you don't know about versus something that you kind of know about already um with like uh, your uh, current partner's interests but it's exactly the same idea of what you're saying of put some intention behind that notice what's going on and filter all of that energy into your partner because then there's a feedback loop that happens mm-hmm. um if you're looking for something or outside the relationship then what if you take that put it in a relationship and you might start getting that back you start going hey I learned about how to do proper fertilizing for indoor plants. And your partner's gonna be like, what? Yeah, you probably already know that. And it like, it turned into a conversation and then your partner's like, oh my gosh, that's so hot. My partner was thinking about exactly. me, caring about me. And then you can see what can kind of come from that. Yes, yes. Stuff like that, stuff like that. I love that. And now to transition into mm-hmm. what leads to a rut, Ruts. and not ironically, but fortuitously uh-huh. is a lot of what we've talked about either the actuality of it or the converse of it when you lose touch with your relationship partner when you see them as the I give this example to my students when you're in your maybe you've had this too maybe in your childhood bedroom when you look at the pile of clothes in the corner and you start to see it as like the monster or you fan it's just like this pile of clothes on a chair but in the night with the different shadows when the lights are off right when you're your shadow self you see it as this monster this that you fantasize or you demonize whatever it might be and then when you turn on the lights when you bring whatever is in your subconscious into the light out of your shadows you look at it and go oh that's just a pile of dirty laundry yeah right you want to see it for what it is so much of how we end up seeing our partner is that monster is that not, I'm not equating them to a pile of dirty clothes, but they're this, they're not what they look like in the dark. They're not what they look like as your shadow version that you've cast upon them or when they view themselves as their shadow version. And so the goal, and when I work with couples who are stuck in that rut and maybe for you as well, is to bring light to a lot of those shadowy places. What led to this rut? Do you both feel like you're in it? Do we have any sort of semblance of a timeline when this may or may not have started for each of you? What do you view your partner as? And how long has that happened that you look at them and you lose a little bit of that or a lot of bit of that light and joy and openness and excitement that you once viewed them with? The longer you view your partner as that monster, the more difficult it is and the more work has to happen to get you back to a positive mindset. So the longer you're stuck in that negative sentiment override, the resentment, the bitterness, you're the worst. How could you do this to me? This is not how, this is not who I married. All these negative assumptions often are only assumptions. The less time you're spending being positive and looking to your partner for, wow, I love you. Thank you so much for learning about plants versus, well, it took you long enough. How do you respond (laughs) when they start showing the things and the be the version that you want them to be yeah do Please not be respond. critical or contemptuous well it's about time it's about you time you learned about fertilizer <laughs> screw you i'm never going to talk about this again like you just were so dismissive of this thing that i tried yeah. to do for you like whatever i won't yeah. try again and then what happens is that partner gets blamed for well then you stop trying you were mean yeah. you were a very mean person when i tried to bring this up as a joy and you just shit on it like yeah. i'm not going to do this thing for you again yeah 
yeah well let's not do that for yeah. um and i think you know uh as you're talking about i'm just attuned to like the emotional experience of like talking about these ruts when they happen like hey this can be really hard to shift yeah and a good starting point is coming from almost a uh, i would encourage all couples to almost just expect ruts ruts are gonna happen i mean i say all couples like uh long-term relationships you're gonna mm-hmm. end a rut if, you, if your goal is to be in a decades-long relationship you're gonna hit some ruts and that's okay so if you come at these discussions that that's like oh we're in a rut it's no longer a threat of oh we're in a rut <gasps> our relationship is over or oh we're in a rut I'm a horrible person or you're a horrible person. It's more like, oh no, yep, we're feeling it. Let's just shift gears a little bit and get into the gear that we need in our relationship now. Attune mm-hmm. differently, make some little changes or big changes, whatever is required. When you have a discussion of what needs are kind of being you know, set aside or not being met, what do we long for? Or how are we different? Because ruts can just happen, not because someone's not meeting a need anymore it could happen because we're both growing human beings and we change and our changes might have taken us to a rut and Mm -hmm. go oh that's different now huh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw that was something (laughs) I just saw your reaction to the change piece the more the more roles and responsibilities that are added on the longer you've been in a relationship in my view anyway the more that the how would I put this when you meet, how old you are when you meet, and the pretenses under which you, that you're meeting your partner lay the foundation for kind of like a risk or cost benefit of when the, the rut will happen. I think for some couples, it's a matter of when, not if. And I think for other couples, it's a matter of if more so than anything, and it's not a definite. Mm-hmm. If you don't know yourself very well when you pick your primary partner and you settle in, if you have a lot of roles and responsibilities that get it added on very quickly in a short amount of time, and the younger that you meet, the less likely you maybe are to know yourself, you find typically five, 10, 15 years in, you're waking up and like, wait, who am who are you? Who am I? Uh, what is going on here? This isn't what I wanted, uh-huh. especially if the choice to settle down into partnership or have kids was not yours and it was more societal conditioning or parental uh-huh. pressure, et cetera the rut is almost a manifestation of the resentment that both partners feel because they're having to be someone they're not, or they were forced to be someone they're not, or they didn't know themselves well enough to know that isn't even who they wanted to be. And when they made the commitment, they were a totally different person. And to your point, and I've said this for every maid of honor speech I've ever given in every wedding, the person that you marry that you are standing across from today, if you're doing it right, will not be the person that you are going to be in front of in 50 years. The both of you will become multiple different versions of yourself in your lifetime. Um, And the goal to stay in love and avoid the rut is to fall in love with each version of that person again and again and again. And that's not going to be without some negotiation, some compromise, some shock, some adjustment. Yes, it's going to be a transition period each time a new version of your partner shows up. What a gift, though, to give each other in the relationship to work to fall in love again and again. What made you commit to that person and say, hey, out of all the other people in the whole wide world, I want to build a life with you. And how can I help couples connect back to that feeling to get them out of the rut or at least be motivated to not stay in the rut? Yeah. 
and as you're talking at and that like it makes me think how we're how you and I have kind of like you know uh come to this discussion with looking at a rut as an opportunity to go oh we've had some changes that's okay where where's some opportunity to then let's transition out of the rut where can we look to fall in love with each other in a new maybe different way with the new people that we are becoming mm-hmm. and having that be a safe collaborative discussion not a scary blaming discussion but instead like no this is this is what we this is what we want we've chosen each other yeah. and okay we're in a rut let's figure this out how have we changed Let's have an open dialogue about it and let's work as a team and and do that. Yeah, I've had to, I think in other relationships years ago, there could have been some benefit to having that conversation, whether or not it came to fruition for some, I can't even remember. But I think in my, in, in being in a relationship where you are spending the rest of your life with someone those conversations feel scary and loaded and approaching it with we're I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. We are going to be together for the rest of our lives. We're going to work this out and approaching it now with somebody where we're both in the mindset, there's nothing a conversation can't solve. And I feel this way. I'm experiencing this. You feel this way. You're experiencing this. Is this what we want? to lay as the foundation for this next, whatever, five, 10, 15 years of this lifelong chapter and this book that we're writing essentially. And those are scary conversations to have. And even a few weeks ago, I remember sitting down and being like, we got to talk. I'm struggling in this relationship. I'm concerned. I'm anxious. I'm this, I'm not getting these needs met, whatever it might be. And it just happened to be a confluence of stressors for both he and I, but to be able to sit down and feel safe enough to avoid driving into a rut mm-hmm. was very helpful. And I think it took a lot of bravery and courage on both of our parts. And I don't think uh, any previous time I would have felt anywhere close to us comfortable doing it, but it's like, look, we made the decision to be together for the rest of our lives. We got to work this out. Like this is something that we have to talk about. Here's what I need. What do you need for me to get that done? What do you need that I could do or stop doing? And let me know. And if, if we don't solve that piece right in this conversation, that's fine. But this is an ongoing dialogue mm-hmm. and having that open dialogue and feeling safe enough to not rehash or, and I forgot to say the other night, blah, blah, blah. It's more like the more I freed up my mind space and didn't continue down that like resentment road, I realized two nights ago when we had that talk, this also came up for me. And sometimes it's just a share of this makes more of sense why I was so upset. And sometimes it's, that's the thing I needed. I was walking down the street and I remembered that's what I need. Can we do that? Yeah, sure. No problem. Or I'm not able to do that for you. Okay. I'll meet that need myself. But being able to feel comfortable enough in your relationship to tell the person, Hey, I'm struggling. Like this is not going well for me. Something's happening that I need to bring to your attention and I need help with is a very vulnerable thing to do. And I'm not giving that advice by uh, just a textbook. I've, I've had to live it myself many times. It's the worthwhile thing to do it's worthwhile it is vulnerable and if that's if you know you're listening to this and going oh man how do i even do that first of all a little tip and trick is just label it's vulnerable you you know when you start a conversation in vulnerability and you let your partner know hey i want to talk to you about something important to me 
it's scary to talk about. It's really vulnerable because it's about how much I care about you. Um, yes. You start a conversation with that, like this is vulnerable because I care about you. Mm-hmm. That sets a really nice tone. And most humans will go, oh, okay, let, let's get into connection space. Um, but even if that feels like too much or not, I mean, th- that, that, and you find that it's really scary to want to reach out and talk to your partner about the rut, that's where couples therapy really shines is to help slow the conversation down. And before mm-hmm. you even address these needs and these changes, mm-hmm. just go, Hey, this is vulnerable. Let's create some safety together. Um, so there yes. is support there. If you don't think you can do it on your own, um, yes. but hopefully people have seen this having heard mm-hmm. how this might look, you might have a more confidence and being able to turn to your partner who will be responsive to you. Yeah. I wish I had done it in some ways at a different time, but that was part of the reason why the struggle was there is work schedule overlap shifts change roles responsibilities there there wasn't a lot of uh conscious quality time meaning when we were both like awake and present and being able to attune and that's what was wearing on the connection because there's so many other roles and people to take care of and this and that that was getting in the way of us just being just the two of us again and that was a necessary conversation to have to be able to feel comfortable and not feel resentful frustrated Uh angry and then start fantasizing about not for me it's not like being with somebody else is being alone (laughs) (laughs) i just want no one to need me no one to touch me i want to be alone i want to have none of these other roles none of these other titles just back to yeah yeah exactly so i think to know that what I will add to, the, to your point, if somebody's thinking about this, like, how do I start? Like we always say, and I t- try not to use the word always, but I feel confident in saying, I always say this, do the work on yourself. Yeah. You have to do the work. It doesn't mean it all needs to be done. It never will. And I, again, I don't use the word never, but truly when it comes to personal growth, I don't think we're ever done with it because we could always pick it back up and do more of it. That is an option that is available to us at any time for the most part. Know yourself first. And I did a lot of my own inner work and talked to my mentor, talked to my therapist and not bashing, but I got inward and I was like, here's what's going on. Here's my experience. I want to be together. I am committed to being to, to for the rest of my life. I need to have this talk from that lens. And that also helped the people I was give, getting the advisement from to know what direction to steer me in rather than if you're just bringing this up to a friend or you casually mention it, this is the caveat I'm giving to people listening. If you just casually mention it to a friend, you don't know what kind of response you're going to get. You're either going to maybe feel shame if they're like, how could you ever think about another person or be in a rut or we're not in a rut or when I was in a rut, we just did this. And that advice might not be helpful for you. So please talk to somebody about this who is a trusted again, mentor, colleague, even who knows and and has as close to your best interests as possible at heart and give them the framework of, I don't want to be in this anymore. How do I get out of it? Or I do, and I'm committed to being in this. How do I move through it? And that even asking yourself that, mm-hmm. do you have the commitment to make it work and get out of it? Or have you resigned yourself so thoroughly to this can't be anymore. And and I'm happy to have a conversation, but I'm really firm in my position of X, Y, Z. You have to know yeah. that before you enter into it and also be flexible. They could give you data that changes your mind on that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Know thyself in that space. And mm-hmm. before we wrap, I will just put a caveat from something you said, just made me think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this episode, we're talking about your inner rut and we're kind of in the assumption that you want to be in this relationship. You want to figure it out. We're giving advice on how to figure yes. out staying in a relationship. My caveat is 
there are ruts that are clues to, oh, I don't want to be in this relationship. That's okay. Yes. It's still, though, worth exploring these things, knowing yourself, and before falling in love with someone else, like I said, get clear about what are these needs for yourself and what's there or not there in the relationship. Because if you don't do that, as I said before, then you're just going to end the relationship from the rut get into another relationship and have the exact same rut. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I do want to just, the caveat is that it is okay if, you know, especially newer relationships, if you're not like in a long-term marriage to start going, huh, am I in a rut? Okay. Maybe it's a clue that mm-hmm. I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. Yes. And I think if it stagnates and you, it's not a fantasy of being with another person. It's like, you've already built like a whole nother life. You don't want to do anything with the partner anymore. You're finding yourself having more joy with seeing other friends. You can't stop thinking about, or it's difficult to not think about what it would be like to date or this or that. And you're noticing it increase like day after day, month after month, et cetera. That I think would be different from a rut. That is more of like a, an indication, like you're saying, I don't, I can't think of another like a metaphor or analogy for rut. It's more like a... Like you're seeing this faint light in the distance. It's just kind of coming up and you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And it gets brighter and brighter and brighter. And you're like, oh, I see the light now. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a sign. It's like a it's like a, a, a sign on a highway. Mm-hmm. The closer you get to the exit, you kind of know the exit's coming up metaphorically. Yep. Yep. And then when you, you pass it, you're like, oh, wait a second. That was my exit. That's what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Versus it, that still yeah. goes back to yeah. tuning to yourself. Yeah. Like, hey, what's right for me? So I like that. Yes know what's right for you and be open and honest with your partner. And my recommendation from my own life that's helped a lot and and making those decisions is there's nothing a conversation can't solve. It may not be the solution you want, but there's nothing a conversation can't solve. Yes. Nice. I feel out of the rut. Woohoo. Hey, I think we should only record with each other forever and always. Yay. Okay. We record next time. (laughs) Episode 88 coming at you soon. But thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 87. Yes. Stuck in a rut. Um, if you have any questions for me and Talia, or specifically if you want us to answer a relationship question on the podcast, shoot us an email, ryanandtalia at thecouplesguidepodcast.com. Yes, you can also tune into my Instagram at Talia Bombola. I try to do a weekly Q&A, or you can send a DM or a comment on a post if that elicits some curiosity. And do us a favor, if you like the show, please share it with the people that need to hear it and rate and review and subscribe. That is how we know that you like the content and that lets other people know about it. Also, um, if you do post a comment, I do read them. So I haven't seen many on some of the podcast platforms, but we love to hear your feedback, whatever modality you want to give that to us in Instagram, comment or email. We are here for you, the people. Let us know let us know we are here (laughs) love that thanks so much everyone take good care